I'm Summer Falgiano, and you're tuned in to Badasses in Tech. This week, we're joined by Michelle Rodriguez, diversity and inclusion leader at LinkedIn. She's here to tell us about her career in DNI, along with tips on how to bring your full self to work. So I currently work at LinkedIn. I lead our invest strategy on the diversity, inclusion, and belonging team. So what that means is ensuring that the environment that we're building at LinkedIn is a place where diverse talent can thrive. So no matter who you are, you can bring your full authentic self to work and really be able to feel a sense of belonging and do your best work. So I'm, I love my role. Um, it is a new one at LinkedIn. It's a new strategy that we are pursuing, but I love the fact that we're holding up a mirror and making sure we're accountable to how we're showing up at work. You know, a lot of diversity inclusion teams, they focus on hiring and sourcing, which is super important, um, definitely part of our overall strategy. Um, but I think that now people are just starting to skim the surface of like, oh, maybe we should look at retention and maybe we should figure out what is making people stick and the mm -hmm. systems that we're in. And so I really love um, the world that I'm in and what I'm able to impact right now. Yeah, I would agree too. I, I think a lot of people, especially companies, they almost think, oh, okay, we have to have some sort of diversity inclusion policy. So let's just add something in the handbook. Yeah. Um, so what do you think are, what are some of the like building blocks or the absolute foundations that companies who are trying to embrace, what should they be implementing? That's a good question. And I feel like a lot of people get into this space in a lot of different avenues. There's definitely sort of the more legal compliance um, side of the house. And what I really focused my space in and my career on is the employee experience and how we can really impact culture and organizations, which I'm really passionate about. But I think for companies that are barely, barely starting out, it's important to realize that there is no silver bullet or cookie cutter um, strategy that they can just apply. You have to do the hard work of understanding your culture um, and what's going on in it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think also the, the key point in any starting point of a diversity and inclusion strategy for an organization is leadership buy-in understanding that, yeah, a lot of this work does happen from grassroots. A lot of this work does happen from bottoms up. But if you don't have that executive sponsor, the accountability at the top, whether it's a business council or this is really spearheaded truly, truly from like a CEO, C-suite um, backdrop, mm -hmm. it's not going to stick. It's not going to work. It really has to be seen as a business imperative of how can we really embed a strategy that's gonna to touch every single part of our organization and not just a side program. There's a lot of um, interesting articles coming out now critiquing sort of the proliferation of roles of like the chief diversity offer mm -hmm. officers and DNI teams uh, because obviously this field is growing. It's a really um, hot topic. A lot of jobs are, are coming out of it. But I think that it's important to realize these subject matter experts and these people coming into their roles, they have no magic wand. There's no one that's gonna come in and just magically overnight change an organization. They can guide the conversation, they can guide a strategy, but leaders have to do the very hard work mm -hmm. of ensuring that this is hit all the way across the business. Yeah. And you know, these these conversations and 
and you know that hard work that you're talking about these conversations are not easy to have mm-hmm. um and i could imagine i mean I, i've experienced it myself too um not everyone is comfortable sharing how they really are feeling whether they're you know feeling offended or if they don't really like something um so for those folks who maybe are trying to advocate or, or who are trying to have their voice be heard how would you what are some advice what some tips that you would give them on um navigating those conversations or at least starting them i think that's really it yeah this is a really good question too i feel like it's important to realize the very different experiences that can happen within a single organization mm-hmm. and too often than not, a lot of the folks that are really underrepresented or really feeling like the other are expected mm-hmm. to do the work. And that can be a lot of emotional labor of, you know, organizing employees or doing, you know, quote unquote diversity work on top of your day job, on top of what you're already doing for the organization. So I just say that because it's a common pitfall that I see in organizations where they're like, oh, let the ERGs handle that. Or, oh, you know, you're passionate about this. You feel like you're othered. How about you lead the panel? And how about you organize this whole thing and, you know, out yourself even more being, you know, feeling like a black sheep. And so I say that because I think that many people are like, well, I don't understand this and I'm a leader and this makes me uncomfortable. So I'm going to let them do it. And I say to those folks, you know, lean in and and take the charge of understanding this is a space where you don't need to say you're the expert, where, you know, you don't have to lead from the front saying you know everything, but you can take a role where you listen to others to learn. And you can be an ally by letting others know you care about this, that you want to learn more about it and challenging your own peers and your own uh, business practices to include others. I think there's a lot of uh, positional power that people can leverage for others, but they're so individually scared and fragile Mm -hmm. around the topic of diversity that they just feel like this has nothing to do with me. And I'm like, this has everything to do with you. This is your people. This is your organization. Once you start seeing it as the system you can influence versus yeah. your own individual feelings. I think that that really impels leaders to act on it and, you know, lead more to make change. Um, because yeah, I mean, diversity, inclusion, and belonging, it's a lifelong journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell people I'm not an expert. I learn every single day. I think it's dangerous to say you're an expert. Um, you constantly have to realize you're going to make mistakes mm-hmm. along the way. And as soon as people understand that, it's sort of like this, a little bit of a relief, you know, it doesn't take yeah. accountability away, but it's like, okay, like this is a journey. Um, so I would say to leaders, um, be curious and advocate for your people. I would say for people that don't feel heard, um, continue pushing and find those allies that can amplify your voice. Um, Don't take on all the brunt of the work to educate your workforce, but instead find people that will listen to you and be able to um, make space for you where it counts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's important. And just realizing that every, everyone at an individual level really can make an impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk about that a lot um, in terms of allyship um, in the work I'm doing right now, because I think a lot of people are like, well, I'm not, you know, a VP or I'm not leading a huge team. So what can I do? You know, mm-hmm. just Joe Schmo. 
And what we teach is, you know, you can stop a microaggression in the workplace, or, you know, you can speak up when you are really feeling like something's not right. Um, and that makes, you know, these cultural differences, this ripple effect, you know, in the workplace that really matters in a place where maybe somebody's constantly feeling microaggressions or it's a place where they don't belong. So you know, we really emphasize that everybody can be, um, we call it dibs for short, a dibs leader. Um, oh, I like that. No matter the title you have. I like that, dibs. So you said that, you know, this is a lifelong journey and I know that you've been doing this for some time now. How would you say the tech ecosystem, the environment, how, how would you say it's evolved um, mm -hmm. since you started? And, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about what, what got you interested in this work. Yeah. Aside from the obvious, cause it's real, I'm sure it's really uh, beneficial. Like you go home and you're like, wow, I really did something cool. So I think that the conversation has greatly evolved. Um, I remember the first tech company I worked at, um, their version of diversity days was like putting posters up on the wall about different cultures, like mm. real fifth grade, like book report status. And now, <laughs> <laughs> and now, you know, I think that we've evolved as an industry and we're talking about intersectionality and realizing not everyone fits in one box, that there's a lot of nuances. We're talking more about equity, about people who aren't in the room. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this generation, like Gen Z, they're my like heroes right now in the sense of, you know, this is a generation that isn't scared to speak up and ask mm -hmm. the hard questions and realizing respectability politics won't really move us forward. And I think that the boldness that um, the new generation has has really impacted how we're talking about this in the workforce as well. You know, people used to tell you, you know, you can't talk about race at work. You can't talk about religion. Right. You keep that at home and that's that. And you put on the mask at work and you do your job and you put your head down and you are thankful that you're there. And I think yeah. now people are realizing, um, you know, our life is, is 24 seven, you know, we're attached to our work all the time through phone. Yeah. Um, you know, the lines of remote working is blurred. And so people, you know, there is no on and off switch that's as clear anymore. People want to just feel like they can bring their full self. And I think that, that expectation on the workforce, on CEOs, on leadership is really different than it was 30 years ago. It's, mm -hmm. it's just the reality of, of life now. Um, and I think what brought me to this work is I tell people it's just like sort of a little bit of a selfish uh, need. <laughs> so when I first started out in tech, um, it was definitely a huge culture um, mm -hmm. shift for me of, you know, I literally remember my first day at um, a tech job and just looking around at lunch and asking my new boss, like, where are all the women? And I, and I genuinely meant yeah. that. Like, I was like, is there a special cafeteria for them that I just didn't know about? Like, I just like, looked around, like, I don't know where I'm at. Um, and there was a lot of really hard lessons in that first um, stint and realizing, you know, I need to make space here in order for me to cope in and do well here. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started um, my first employee resource group. I started a Latino um, 
ERG there in the Palo Alto office at the same time, a couple of colleagues were starting the Black Employee Network, and we started doing a lot of collaboration. And That's awesome. for the first time, I realized I can bring my academic knowledge and all the knowledge that I've been building here where, you know, I didn't think that was a possibility. Mm -hmm. I had been covering up the fact that I was this sociology ethnic studies major and got my master's in public administration because I was in the sea of like engineers and MBAs and I was like I can't tell them this and it was like oh my gosh it's like you know the secret and I you know couldn't talk about my nonprofit background and all these things and then all of a sudden like people were like how do you know how to do all this like you're really good at like you know organizing and talking about difference and doing all these things and I started realizing yeah, like I can bring value. It yeah. took me a while to get there. But um, yeah, that's how I accidentally fell into this work of just connecting the dots of what I knew how to do and just needing to create a space for myself to survive. Yeah. Don't ever feel the need to hide that master's degree. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not anymore. Not I, anymore. Know, <laughs> I know. What would you say, um, are you comfortable to share some of those challenges? I'm just thinking about maybe some... Uh, some young women out there who may be wanting to pursue a career in this in this field. What are some challenges that you overcame, and and how would you? Uh, what is some advice that you would maybe tell your younger self when yeah. getting to get out of those? There's a lot of stories. Um, one story in particular that I think about. Um, and I, I like this one because it really connected me to community in the end. So there's a little bit of a silver lining. But um, I remember in that first tech job, I covered a lot. You know, we talk about covering as a concept of, you know, wearing mm -hmm. this mask at work. And it really impacts more women and underrepresented groups in tech because we're trying to fit in. We're trying to fit the cultural norm. Mm -hmm. um, it takes a lot of energy to cover. And I would try to dress way older than I was. I, you know, wore the heels and the suits and the blazers and mm -hmm. the you muted makeup. And I, you know, put my hair back, just trying to look as like old and competent as I could. And um, at the same time, there was um, a couple incidents where I was confused for the catering staff. The catering staff there at the company wore black head-to-toe uniforms. Mm -hmm with black hats, with the name badge, like it's obvious I was never wearing that uniform, but I had a brown face and there were no Latinas there. And, you know, unconsciously I was mistaken for catering staff because everyone's rushing, you know, they're bustling in and out of the cafeteria. I, you know, got asked once like, you need to go make more coffee. I remember this guy getting pissed off because he was wanting to pay for breakfast and he kept looking at me and I kept looking back at him like, why is he looking at me like so wild like that? And after a while, I realized he was pissed because he was thinking like, she's not ringing me up. I oh need my gosh. And, you know, once these, these incidents started happening over and over again, I thought, you know, this is happening because the brown faces they see here are all service staff. You know, they're working in the cafeterias, they're cleaning the bathrooms. I'm like sticking out like a sore thumb. And I remember bringing this up to um, the employee resource group at one of our lunches when we first, first started coming together. And there were so many women that at the same time, same time like that's happened to me so many times wow. and these were engineers ux mm -hmm. um you know professionals and not that there's anything wrong with being a service worker trust you know i come from a family of service service workers mm -hmm. and i'm proud of that but it's the stereotype 
that that's the only role you could fit in if you are here and you work here. And I'm blind to the fact that, you know, you're wearing professional dress that you could even be my colleague. And so I say all that to say, I'm still here. Mm -hmm. Um, I say all that to say, you know, there's others that are fighting to make a difference um, with those biases and those stereotypes. And frankly, um, you get to decide the culture you want to be in. Not to say that LinkedIn and all my other companies are perfect mm-hmm. that I've worked at. Nothing's, you know, perfect and rainbows and unicorns. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that there are some cultures that are better than others. And, you know, what I would say to young people, especially, um, you know, young people of color from underrepresented groups, queer people that are nervous about entering a certain culture, mm-hmm. do your research, you know, ask people who work there what it's like. Um, I've had plenty of those conversations over the years where people are like, keep it real with me. What has happened to you there? Those conversations do happen often. Mm-hmm. And I think by being frank and real, you can do your own research about the type of environment you want to be into. I think naively, when I first started out, I told myself, oh, I guess all tech is like this. And it wasn't. Um, yeah. And so I think doing your research about the culture you can thrive in really helps too. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's helpful. You mentioned something about covering, masking. Mm-hmm. What would you say, and I feel like there's so many people, you know, underrepresented um, communities, females, all of them, how they, pro- they do this. I'm sure I do it as well. What are some other um, common ways that maybe we're, we're not helping ourselves in those moments, in those business meetings? Like what are some uh, what are some things that we're doing that we may need some help with to, yeah. to kind of spotlight? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And I think this is a conversation as well, a topic that I really emphasize to managers too. Yeah. Because I, I have to say one of my biggest pet peeves when we're starting out any type of diversity initiative in an organization is people are like, women just need a mentoring night, like, or We just need a mentoring program and there's nothing wrong with mentoring programs, but long-term research has shown us that, you know, that's not as impactful as we think it is. And that's all to say there's such an emphasis on like the fix the women or fix the minorities mindset that Mm -hmm. I'm always challenging leaders. Like you have to see what's going on in your meetings too. Like you have to see who's getting heard and who's not and who's getting called on and whose ideas are getting overlooked and mansplained or whatever. Mm -hmm. But to the people in the room, I say, um, that our experiences are feeling like, you know, their ideas aren't being heard, just making allies with somebody else in the room and just trying to find that one person or two people that you're like, okay, I'm not letting anyone talk over you Mm. or, you know, hey, Summer just said that, you know, Summer made that point of just reemphasizing this. The other thing that I do to try to break down um, any biases that people may face is I really try to to practice like the power of introduction. Mm -hmm. So I do this a lot. Um, In particular, I, I do it with a lot of intention with people from underrepresented groups in the workforce. And what this is all about is just really giving somebody a glowing introduction when I'm introducing them to new people, when I'm introducing them to stakeholders that Mm -hmm. are in the the organization. So instead of saying like, Hey, like summer just moved here. This is their second week. Like, like, Hey, what's up? Mm -hmm. Um, But if I'm like, 
hey, Summer just moved here. We're so excited to have her. She has stellar um, experience and employee engagement and building strategies around learning and development. We're so happy we were able to get her on board. She's going to be driving X initiative and we're so excited. That is like, oh, hey, powerful. Like, I need to meet you. Can we talk? Because I have this project coming up and I think I really want to pick your brain on it. It just elevates people in a different way. And I'm not saying, you know, lie about somebody or anything, but there's a reason why everybody's there. I mean, everybody has a gift. Everybody has a reason why they're there. And I think emphasizing that, especially for folks that are often overlooked or seen as less capable, perhaps, Mm -hmm. biases or seen as maybe too young. um, I think that makes a huge, huge difference. Um, I do that with um, someone who reports up to me as well. And I remember she was telling me like, wow, that, that made a big difference for me in like oh, my yeah. first three months of working here. And I told her sort of like some of the research behind that and like why that was so intentional. So I see her starting to do it as well. So it's something I, I try to emphasize a lot. It sets a completely different tone. Mm-hmm. For people who are introducing themselves, especially young women, I, I know for a fact I do it. I just started a new job. Um, recently and you know you you're asked to give introductions so um when you're doing like company-wide introductions or when you're meeting a a whole new team like you can't help but get nervous but there's all these different thoughts like i want to show up capable i want to tell them everything that they need to know in like three seconds so for for young women or for those who are uh you know just starting out what are some tips on giving a strong introduction for yourself Yeah. And again, this is, I mean, there's a lot of research into this, like the likability penalty with women where unfortunately Mm -hmm. the more competent a woman is seen in the room, sometimes her likability goes down. Um, There's no win. I mean, everything, there's no winning in terms of like bias and research on women in particular. Um, So what you can do is just be super um, sure of the value that you bring to that space. So I would recommend when you're introducing yourself, emphasizing the business impact. Like what is it that you are gonna bring a value or you are gonna change at that organization for the better? The other thing is you can ask your manager Mm. to um, do an email introduction of you. Mm. Um, I think that's pretty standard practice, but sometimes I don't see it done well. And so I would say, you know, ask your manager to do it if they haven't plan to do so already um, when you're starting out and then ask if like you can just review if you can add in a couple points to help them out that way you're not tooting your own horn all the time every day it's a way to like leverage the positional power of your manager and have them set you up well with stakeholders Um, so that's really huge Um, but in the meeting I would definitely just do the best you can in terms of emphasizing the strategic or business Mm -hmm. Um, impact you'll create or the value that you're going to bring to the company. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To hear more, check out our website, badassesintech.com and join our community. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So follow us and tune in next week. That about sums it up. I'm Summer Falgiano, and this is Badasses in Tech.